The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa. I have Colson Steber, who is joining me today. He is the co-CEO of Communications for Research, and he's also co-CEO of Ag Access. Welcome, Colson. Thanks, Seema. Did I say that right? You're co-CEO of Ag Access as well? Yep. Okay, good. Well, I know we've kind of tried to do this episode for, it's almost embarrassing to say, maybe... We thought about this 12 months ago, almost a year, but we're finally doing it. Yeah. In January, we agreed okay. that we would, <laughs> and now it's December. Good. Well, at least we didn't make it a full year. Yeah. <laughs> so, Colson, tell us a little bit about your company and kind of what your prime focus is there. Uh, CFR is a research logistics business, almost always a third-party supplier. If you kind of like would look at how the research industry functions, like the services we provide are that of recruiting and data collection. But okay. like what makes us unique is the our proven process to actually be responsible for simplifying to get to the research outcomes and 10x the confidence that you've got a, a partner who is actually looking out for getting what needs done, right? So yep. we're not always working with a research company. We're most of the time working with like a UX firm or a manager strategy consultant or ad agency strategy Got it. person. Got it. And how did you become co-CEO? Were you one of the founders or did you kind of work your way into being co-CEO? The business is in its 26th year of operation, which so my father started it when it. I was eight years old. But myself and my business partner, Curtis, that's my co-CEO, bought the company just over six and a half years ago. And by the time, you know, by 2016, obviously, like what it had been was no longer what it was going to be able to be. The business that we bought really essentially knew that how to do one type of work and had one mega client and we had to figure out how we were going to make a business out of it. So now the company's almost triple the size as it was when we bought it. We operate as Ag Access as well as CFR and we are this research logistics firm, right? That's amazing. So let me ask you this. You bought the business, you know, obviously you went in with some assumptions potentially about what it was going to be like to be an owner of a business and run a business. What was some of the biggest surprises that you experienced? I would say, I mean, the first three years of my entrepreneurial journey would definitely be marked by what would be called entrepreneurial poverty of continually and never ending cash flow management. I spent nearly the entirety of 2019 within seven days of insolvency. Wow. Uh, That's stressful. Yeah. So you definitely learn to like not over identify yourself back to the business. And I, you know, it was actually 
the start of 2019 that I was just like, you know, I've learned it's entrepreneurship is when you realize that the least risky thing in the world is to bet on yourself and you want the like most like real world way of personal self-development, right? Like you, there is a feedback loop always in, you know, the actual team that you're building, whether you really are the leader that you want to be and the outcomes that the business actually achieves, right? And the customer relationships you're, you actually have very much like it's, everything is very real to me from a very young age. Yep. Well, I guess if I'm understanding you correctly, it's almost like you have, it's continuous improvement. You get feedback from the team, you get feedback from clients, you get feedback from everywhere. And it's what you do with that. Like, do you decide to change? Do you decide to evolve all with the lens of making it a positive transformation versus feeling like down on yourself that you're not where you need to be? Yeah, exactly. And so many, I knew I wanted to be a leader and I wasn't the leader that I needed to be. Yeah. But by no means did I understand the amount of transformations and the number and that's of transformations yeah. that I would have to go through to be where I am today. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that it's, you're never done. Like you just keep continuing. And for me, once I accepted that, then it wasn't scary. It was, oh, this is another, you know, sometimes you make a uh, step function change, which is huge and different. And then other times you make incremental change. Yeah. I'm like pretty insane on the whole yeah. working to make sure that I have a different job every single 90 days so that I have to make a new decision and yep. like actually be acting in accordance to like who I want my future self to become so yep. that it's only a matter of inevitability of time passing that I'm yes. doing the things that need to be done in order to get where I want to get. It's awesome. So tell me a little bit about Ag Access. That's relatively new in terms of your focus. That's a question. I'm not assuming that. Yeah. I mean, so we had always done a significant amount of agriculture sector work, but we didn't specifically like stand out for okay. it. And then when I pumpkin planned my business, which is an entrepreneurial book, I said, you know, this is something we do know a lot about and is actually like the niche of niches that we can stand out in sure because is. it is so unique. And so like we were working on how we would get it to happen. But of course I am always overextended and have a dozen ideas. And then it needed the great pause of spring of 2020 to come along for us to actually launch as ag access, which was immediately the best decision ever because it's like the work that we're best at. That's the highest margin. And it's, like so unique that people can actually find us for it. Whereas before 2020, really no one had worked with us unless they had known my business partner for 20 years or met me. Got it. And so exactly what audiences are involved or part of Ag Access? Really agriculture, animal health, and then what I would say are like adjacents of landscaping, you know, heavy equipment, like really kind of the full range of equipment because of the agriculture expertise, like our biggest end client buyer of our services is the largest chemical seed and equipment companies in the world. Okay. And so those people play in, you know, rural property owners and hobbyists and uh, all these places. And those are the exact people that we work to build an ag access community with. Very cool. 
So let's switch gears a little bit, Colson. I know that you have, I don't know if you've made this phrase, but it's something that we've talked about in the past. It's just this relentless, intentional action. It's kind of part of the fabric of who you are, or you've made it the fabric of who you are. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? What's it mean to you? Like my current point where I'm working to like have my life and the business itself be like this totally aligned through self-expression of me and what I see my purpose as in the world. And my word for this year is relentless. And so it's literally comes back to what I mentioned of like, I am like wired and prone to take action. Yes. But I oftentimes like my weakness is that I'll have too many ideas and sign up for too much stuff. Right. And so like, I have to be like I have to very relentlessly like put systems in place to manage myself because I need like a really, really crystal clear vision that I'm super, super excited about so that I can actually keep myself prioritizing what needs done Right. because I can do things quickly. Like I don't have that issue of getting Getting started. started. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't either. I don't have that issue, but I do have the issue of being overextended. Right. Right. And then now I, and I mean, it's, like, but to do something great, you really have to do a few, yeah, you know, right things consistently. And that's the only way to actually like be unique in any way. Yeah, I agree with you. And do you, I know you're an avid book reader. You read lots of business literature and I'm sure other literature. I'm going to ask you this. It's a surprise question. What has been the most influential book that you've read? You're in? Wow, that's that's tough, right? Because that's I know a very when, complex book. When we spoke, we talked about Atomic Habits, I think, and you know, the, obviously that was one book. But then you you were, I think, trying to read maybe a book every week or every month at that time. So and I read one of the habits that I build. With, so I had always read maybe ten to fifteen books a year. Yeah, definitely like considered myself a reader. But then when I read Atomic Habits, I decided that I would start an Atomic Habit of reading every single day. And I have done so for every day for four years. And so now I finish like 40 full length books in addition to like whatever reading I do with my kids and such. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. What inspired you to do that? That I want to design my own life and actually take intentional action and uh, not only prescribe to write the story of my life as it would play out if I live into like anything it had been yep actually like be my own person so get knowledge content from other sources to then steer your life in a way that's intentional in the way in the direction that you want to go to yeah absolutely It's always like, what am I trying to learn right now? And what's the content that's going to create a new awakening from that? So that principle of that being one of the selections was around, was out of a book around creating internal and external awakenings. And one way to create an external awakening is to read in depth on a topic. And, you know, obviously there's a lot more people that have done a lot more deeper thinking on every single topic possible. (laughs) But you're doing your own journey. Right. Right. So, okay. Maybe the book question was too hard. I'll ask you, or can you answer it? I mean, I can answer it in terms of, I mean, one of the few books that probably the book that I've read the most times over in my adult life is Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. Okay. Which is a book of Toltec wisdom about 
like self-love. Oh, that sounds really good. I'm definitely going to check it out. Okay. Let's talk about, you are also a sponsor. You're volunteering and supporting the art and science of joy. I was happy to see that. Curious, what made you attracted to being a participant in this? So literally, my word for the year is relentless. My quote is about being relentless. And my like, basically like the start of my three-year vision that I read to myself every day literally includes in it that goal is the 10x joy and abundance in every facet of my life. So then I like learned about it and our purpose as a business is to be a community creating opportunities. And so the fact that like I can be a sponsor and have an opportunity to have full access to actually do this quantitative research is something that everybody in my company can participate in. And then it just connects perfectly back to like my role as the kind of visionary leader of the business to actually bring something that is research-based back into our business that ties us back into the industry, but is something that will actually make an impact on the hundred people that work for me. That's awesome. You recently said before we were recording that you have been kind of living your best I don't know what words you use, best day, or recently I've come back to that notion of I'm living exactly how I want to be living. Right. I mean, I every single day of this week and even last week, because I was on vacation for Thanksgiving, but we didn't, we stayed home. You know, I wake up at 4.45 a.m. I do my gratitude practice, meditate wow. and at the gym at 5.15, do the a group training class, finish, come home on the way to the gym and on the way back, I listen to my book and then I like get showered, get the kids up. I have three kids to get off to school all week. So we do that. And then as soon as they're done, my commute to work is to walk to the end of the clock and back. And then at eight o'clock I'm sitting at my desk and I've already, you know, done over three hours of like exactly what I want to do. do. Like, right. And then I don't have any, the vast majority of the time I don't accept. And I, this week, I haven't accepted any meeting before 10 a.m. so that I actually have those top three priorities for the week. And I'm able to like dedicate the first 90 minutes to two hours to actually working on those rather than getting sucked into the grind. That's fantastic. Colson, what do you worry about? Besides, so I try to not worry on a, in general on a day-to-day basis, but what do I worry about? I worry about I mean, I don't watch the news because I would, it causes me to worry a lot. That's smart. What do I worry about? I worry about mental health and mm-hmm. the insane amount of things would operate very, very differently within my own business. And that's kind of like what I want out of the company is like build a safe enough place yeah. where there's enough trust that it's at least having a job here isn't the place of strength in life then creates opportunities for you to go out, be who you want to be. Do you think that, you know, obviously employee retention, satisfaction, you've heard, you know, obviously great resignation and quiet quitting. It feels like there's a lot of companies really focusing on the employee well-being and being able to provide people to be the true selves at work. Not everybody, but some companies mm-hmm. are doing that. Do you feel like you had that philosophy before the pandemic or has the pandemic kind of influenced you more to bring that concept to the company? 
some of the most influential books of like why I wanted to like own a business and be an entrepreneur was and and things were things like conscious capitalism and everybody matters and how do we create an inclusive culture within the team and and do that I mean it I mean there's a lot of lip service and it's very very difficult to create I think I mean I know that within the immediate vicinity of the people that were directly on my team or reported to me yeah that started to get tremendously better in 2019 as I really, because 2019, I really took a deep dive on like, how do I listen and Mm -hmm. ask better questions? But it's been since 2019, we started implementing an entrepreneurial operating system and really Mm -hmm. actually like ingraining the practices that create that and like, you know, teaching people how to be the right kind of boss to create that environment. And I think, you know, we didn't have any, but like, was there definitely employees that were wondering whether the grass was greener and expressed yeah. that they were looking for other positions? Yes, but we didn't have a single people leave our company in the last two years. That's pretty amazing. Well, sorry, we had a couple leave like for good reasons, right? Like, okay, personal reasons. The, or a military spouse, yeah. or like, you know, they had finished getting their degree and they went and got a job outside of our industry. Right. Like these things are the good reasons. Yeah. What do you think the secret is there? Honestly, the vast majority of, I'm a firm believer in the fact that people don't leave the job, they leave their boss. It is literally about the culture Mm-hmm. Just like I don't, I mean, I don't get notifications on my phone or mm-hmm. or work after hours and it's not lip service. Like people actually work 40 hours a week at our right. company and we don't manage time while we need to do resource allocation mm-hmm. of expenses because we're a professional service delivery company. Right. We essentially operate with an open book. So there's like, they have complete transparency to every single detail of their project, no matter what level they're at in the company. They have very clear financial metrics that they participate in being accountable to. And they see their metrics right along of everybody else's and the aggregate of the different teams. It sounds like you've built a lot of trust within the team to be able to be transparent and open about workflow projects mistakes i mean it's a journey it yeah. like we have to get so much better than where yeah. we are yeah cuz like it's q4 and we're the busiest this company's ever been in our entire yeah. lives so right now i'm sitting here looking at like the cracks and the system that yeah. where that's not the case people don't feel like they can speak up right like but that's the journey is to like not stop and it's a long like i i love Simon Sinek's uh, Infinite Game and the, yep. and the Just Cause, right? And mm-hmm. so just always iterating back to that Just Cause. So there's an ability, like good people need to do good work, yeah, right? And so mm-hmm. I think people often think change is happening even faster than maybe what it actually is. Right. And that may sound like a little bit of like a curmudgeon answer, but I'm, it's not <laughs> like I'm, it's just my observation of the world mm-hmm. that like until there's these watershed moments like a COVID, you know, mm-hmm. it was totally socially unacceptable a couple of years ago that I would be 1500 miles away from the closest employee that works for me. That's true. Things happen. And I think there's 
way more, but within any like tech driven solution world, there is a services side to Mm -hmm. it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like the reality is, is that it is changing extremely quickly. And so as whether you, do you meet that? And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of companies who aren't. And Mm -hmm. I always think as a professional services business, that literally one of our core values is continuous improvement. And we work on 90 day cycles and we're always literally trying to bring out the issues and identify what needs to happen and actually, and like really set new plans. Yeah. Like always think we'll meet it. And there's Mm -hmm. no, it's not the reoccurring revenue model. That's going to get me the highest valuation back from the PE firm. That's not what I'm in it for. Right. You went into this with different intentions. Right. Colson, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's always fun to catch up. Absolutely. It's great <laughs> to catch you. up with you. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.